Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. Amen. Well, good, well, good morning. morning. Hope you guys, guys are good. good. Came ready. ready. Hey, y'all ready? ready? You got, you got AC, AC and a, and a, and a roof, roof over your head. head. Hopefully you're ready. All right. Here we go. Um, we are in part two of our little uh, series on Acts. Not really part two. We just had a little intro last week on Father's Day. Thought we'd kind of keep it short for the fellas. So, um, but uh, I just wanted to start off with this verse for us. It's going to kind of set the course for the day. Um, Proverbs, Proverbs 29, 18 said this, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who follows the law of the Lord. Where there is no vision, people throw off restraint. People don't, people don't live the way that they were intended. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Another translation says, but one of the best sources for helping us develop the vision for who we are and, and what, what we are, are called, called to be is the book of Acts. We are, we are going to continue, continue to look, look at the book of Acts today to help uh, shape our hearts and minds to God's vision for our life, both individually and corporately, as God's image-bearing divine community. Amen? So let's pray, and then we'll get in the Word. God, we just thank you for this morning. God, we're all in different places with you. God, I pray that you would meet us right there, right where we're at today. And God, lead us. God, hook arms with us. And uh, God, lead us down towards you. God, lead us in the way that you have for us, uh, both individually and as a community. And uh, Lord, we're looking to you for your word to speak to our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, last week we introed, the, at least in the first chapter, the whole book starts off Dear Theophilus, which is Dear Lover or Friend of God, which is kind of a general title to anyone who reads it. If you're a lover and a friend of God, this book is for you. And he starts off by saying, man, Jesus obviously died, buried, rose again, and he has now appeared to his disciples. And he starts off the letter saying, man, Jesus ministered with his disciples for about 40, 50 days, teaching them about the kingdom of God. And then he says, wait in Jerusalem. Don't go anywhere yet till you receive a promise from my father. And so there's this kind of like, there is this kind of um, check from Jesus to not go anywhere until they have received something. So, all right, so they, they're hanging out. There's about 120 of them hanging out, uh, praying. And uh, the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus was crucified, uh, here this day comes. And that's where we're going to pick up in Acts 2, verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided, and divided tongues, tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Man, all together in one place. Man, what is going on? This has never happened before. 
In the Old Testament, if the Spirit kind of came, it would really just kind of come on one person, like God's prophet or God's anointed king. Or it was, it was never to the whole group. But what is going on here? And I'm going to tell you. Here's a little hint. It's much bigger than you think. Amen? All right, here we go. Acts 2, verse 5, it says, Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. So all these Jews from people from all over the known world are in Jerusalem to worship Yahweh. Verse 6, and at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered. We'll come back to that. Because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. So they were praying in the spirit and people from all over the known world, tons of different languages. They were hearing Jesus's disciples speak in their their own own language. language. And it says, says they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Galileans? Meaning like, kind of like like redneck redneck locals? locals? Kind of, that's what he's like, like, isn't this? Wait, 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 what's what's going going on on here? here? And and he he says, and how is it that we hear each of us in his own language? Interesting. Like, man, what in the world is going on? Jesus said to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father, and then this happens. Now, how, does, how do we kind of explain this? You know, it's like, well, they're, they're praying in the Spirit, and people from all over the world are hearing their own native language coming from these Galileans. What is, and, they're, and they're proclaiming the wonders of God. Now, to kind of put this in kind of perspective... Uh, there was one time, uh, I'd just give you a little modern-day story to maybe make sense of this scripture. Um, I'll make this quick. There was a KU volleyball player who that we had, were ministering to, and she was a disciple. And uh, one game, they go away, and, and the KU uh, volleyball team flies on a little prop plane and to get to their games, and at least at the time. And so they were flying back on this little prop plane from a game, and there was turbulence. Now, could you imagine a miniature plane, basically, filled with a bunch of college-age women with turbulence? Massive chaos, right? Like, ah! Like, they're screaming, they're going up. Well, this KU player, she was freaking out among, with everyone else, and she starts praying in the Spirit. On this plane, she's just, nobody cares how, what's going, you know, everybody's freaked out. So she just starts praying in tongues on the plane. Of course, plane gets down, they're all safe, everybody's fine. They get back to the locker room and they're kind of talking about the turbulence. And all of a sudden, one of the girls says, yeah, and what's crazy is Daniele she was yelling about Jesus and God. And she's like, wait, what? Like, I, I wasn't saying any of that. What did you hear? And they go, well, we, you were saying, like, praise Jesus. He's king of the world. You were saying all this stuff over and over and over. And she's just like, I didn't say that. But that's what you heard. That's what's happening here. So, here we go. What are the nations? Parthians and Medes, Elamites and the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, 
Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Proselytes were Gentiles who'd converted to Judaism. Cretans, Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Big question. What does this mean? The Spirit coming? Over Jesus' disciples, and the nations are there, and they're hearing the disciples proclaim the mighty works of God. What's going on? Well, what's interesting is that we've seen these lists of nations before in the scriptures. We've seen now, he's, uh, Luke is the author of this. He's, he's, he's writing these nations basically from east to west. And at one point, he divides to kind of south and Africa, north up North Mediterranean. But then basically, he's listing off what is known as the table of nations. Now, the table of nations we find in another part of Scripture that is very significant to what Luke is writing about in Pentecost. In the table of nations we find in Genesis 10. In Genesis 10... There are a bunch of nations, and they gathered together to build a building that would ascend to the heavens. Basically, they were trying to bridge heaven and earth by their construction. They were trying to bring heaven to earth in their own way. And in Genesis 11, verse 8, comes on the scene, and it says, And so the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. Because of the rebellious nature of their attempt to build a city and a tower, a tower that would not be used for the worship of Yahweh, God confused their language and dispersed them over the face of the earth. This is what we find. There was... There was basically three falls that we find in Genesis. There's the fall of man that we're all kind of familiar with, Adam and Eve getting deceived by the serpent. In Genesis 6, there's another fall. And it talks about the fall of God's Elohim, God's angels. And they, be, they become, and they're, they're, they're referenced as sons of God. But they're, they become fallen angels, and, and God... Um, disperses them, and actually gives them authority over the nations, which is interesting. We'll come back to that. But then um, here, comes Jesus, or here comes the Lord. He disperses Babel. He confuses their language. But then he comes in and he says, out of all the nations, I'm going to raise up one to reflect who I am and my covenant. And through these people, I will reclaim the nations that were lost. Hmm. Deuteronomy 32, verse 8, it says, this is a poem of Moses. And he writes this, when the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. That's talking about the fallen Elohim. But the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob who later changed his name to Israel. God changed his name to Israel. Israel, his allotted heritage. 
So not only did God confuse and divide the language, but the nations were divided up. The sons of God, these fallen Elohim, were assigned to nations which were supposed to be obedient to Yahweh. But in this moment, God says, I am disinheriting you. I'm going to create my own people. And that's what we find in the very next chapter in Genesis 12. Here comes on the scene a guy named Abram. And he goes, I'm going to choose this people. And I'm going to win those nations back. But even they, Israel, bowed down to these lesser gods. These lesser, you could call them idols, you could call them gods. But the nation of Israel bowed down to them, and God's covenant people were led astray, deceived, wooed by these lesser rebellious gods. And God caused the diaspora of his people resettling across the known world. And so in their kind of, in Israel's rebellion, God splits up his people, and they scatter to the nations. And then... God begins promising over and over and over what he's going to do. I'll just say this. This was kind of because they disobeyed. This was, this, was, this was one of the penalties in Deuteronomy 29, verse 24. It says, all the nations will say, why has the Lord done this to this land? What caused the heat of this great anger? Then all the people will say it was because they abandoned the, co abandoned the covenant of the Lord, the God of their fathers, which he made with them when he brought them out of the land of Egypt and went and served other gods and worshipped them, gods whom they had not known and whom he had not allotted to them. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was kindled against his land, bringing upon all the curses written in this book. And the Lord uprooted them from their land in anger and fury and great wrath, and cast them into another land as they are this day. So here, in God's judgment of his people bowing down to lesser gods, he disperses them. And over and over, God promises restoration and redemption. Restoration, redemption. Jeremiah 31, kind of after the... People were scattered. Jeremiah writes this, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Amazing promise by God 600 years before Jesus dawned the earth. Ezekiel 36, another powerful promise by God. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations in which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God. When through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes, and I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your unclean 
Wow. Uncleannesses. The Bible. That's a Bible word right there. That's not in your, that's not in your dictionary, but that is in the Bible. Anyway. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart. Here it is. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put in you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my ways. Some amazing promises of God. Y'all, I'm getting about ready to ramp up and do something. I need you to have a heads up. Joel 2, another one. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. And your young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I'll pour out my spirit on everyone. And now, back to Acts. Something different is happening here. Yahweh has established his king, his own son, Jesus Christ, and is now pouring his spirit out on the earth. God in Christ, through the Holy Spirit, was reversing Babel. God has not only redeemed and restored people, but he now he's given them the authority of his son to reclaim the nations as their rightful king, Jesus so Luke writes this story in Acts 2 to mirror the reverse effect of what happened in Babel. And the very nations that were judged by God and disinherited, there was a remnant there in Jerusalem who heard the gospel. And it says that over 3,000 people that day came to know Jesus because they heard, and I believe they saw what was happening. Luke is linking Pentecost and Babel. It's the framework that he's writing it from. Luke highlights that they were together in one place. They were united. They weren't divided. They were together in one place. The divided flames. What's that? That's connotating God's presence. Remember back in the wilderness that God would guide them with a pillar of cloud and during the day and a pillar of fire by night. It connotated God's presence. And they all prayed in the language of the Spirit. It wasn't just the apostles or the disciples that Jesus hung with, and they got a little extra little grace. They got a little extra spirit. And then there's kind of the rest of the folk. It's like, no, same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is now pouring out into people from all tribes and tongues. And with all the nations there who loved Yahweh, they were bewildered and confused. And it's the exact same word. Bewildered is the exact same word that happened when God calls confusion in Babel. Bewilderment, confusion. It's the exact same word Luke uses, and he's drawing the two parallel stories. Listen as Peter culminates the message. And so Peter stands up. So in the midst of all this chaos... People are like, man, what's really going on? These guys seem drunk. Kind of the accusation was like, dude, these guys seem intoxicated. And Peter's like, no, no, wait. It's like 9 a.m. No, no, no. These guys aren't drunk. They, as you suppose, they're being filled. They've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter stands up. Who, just 50 days prior, denied Jesus in front of a middle school girl. I mean, that's where Peter was 50 days prior to this. He did, not want to be, he did not want to be associated at that time 
with Jesus in this movement. He, just, he was afraid of persecution, but here, Holy Spirit comes on this man Peter, and he stands up in front of the entire temple crowd, and he begins preaching about what they're seeing. And he ends this, ends with this. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. Has God called you to himself? Has God called you to himself? You have his spirit. couple points. Number one, God was calling and uniting people from every tribe and nation. That's what the kingdom message, gospel message does. They were united by the Holy Spirit, which was more uniting than any other feature they had. More than ethnicity, more than gender, more than social economic status, more than their own nationality. The Holy Spirit would launch a worldwide movement called the Ecclesia, the church that is alive and active still to this day. His ever-increasing kingdom never ends. The nations are his inheritance. And that's why Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of nations. That's what he's referring to. The nations have been disinherited and I'm now raising up my people with my authority and the power of the Holy Spirit to win the nations back. The nations are the Lord's inheritance. America being one of those nations. But the Lord wants the nations reclaimed for him by his gospel. His way, not man's way. At the end, at the culmination of all things, John wrote this, Revelation 5.9, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Revelation 7.9 says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne, and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands. This culmination of the story, the nations, Jesus wants to win the nations back. And he is equipped and empowered his followers to do that very thing. Let's, let's kind of wrap this up. Back to Acts, chapter, four, or chapter 2, verse 40. And with many other words, Peter bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who received his words were baptized, and there were about added that day about 3,000. Save yourselves. So after this masterful message, trying to, I mean, he's, Peter was pulling some OT quotes and, man, spinning this whole message to try to explain what was happening. 
And then he pivots and he proclaims, save yourself from this crooked and perverse generation. And save yourself. I mean, you imagine like the Roman world, the Roman, Roman culture. You talk about any other nations, the, the lack of like kingdom understanding, how people were viewed, how children were viewed, how life was viewed. What was the purpose of life? The caste system that was pretty much ingrained in the Roman culture. Save yourselves from this. Perv- the, 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 they knew that these, these Caesars were absolutely immoral and corrupt. An immoral and corrupt Roman culture. Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Point number two. The kingdom provided the world a better vision for humanity. That's what resonated in people's hearts. It's like, man, there's their God. Not only did he live a life to rescue us back and to redeem us and to have a relationship with our creator, the, one, the thing that most of us are kind of looking for anyway, the kind of hole in our heart that we try to fill with every other thing on the planet. But yet God is like, man, I've made you. I've redeemed you. But man, I, God has a better story for the view of humanity. Paul says, man, we do not see each other according to the flesh, but we see each other according to the spirit. Man, that one truth changes culture. We don't see each other according to the flesh. That is, we don't see, we don't measure or judge each other based upon what group we may be in. There's a whole ideology being trained within this within our society that is completely training people how to see each other according to the flesh. And you wonder why critical race theory is opposite than the kingdom of God. But Jesus is like, no, you got to see each other according to the spirit, how I made people. That's how you see the glory and the beauty in every person that I've created is to see that they are made in the image of God and that they've got dignity and worth and value no matter who or what they are. The kingdom provided the world with a better vision for humanity. Man, the past can be forgiven. What? Man, people's pasts eat their future up. Your past can be forgiven. Not only individually, man, your past can be forgiven. That word forgiveness has evaporated from our culture. Because it is, no, 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 this is what you, or this is what your type. Uh Uh-uh, that's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. The kingdom provided the world with a better vision for humanity. Philippians 2 says, do all things without grumbling and disputing. This is Paul kind of encouraging the followers of Jesus that if you're counted among that, well, then here's his word of encouragement. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish. Come on now, without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights to the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Last point, holding to the word of life makes us lights in the world. Holding 
to God's word and your life mirroring this is like drawing out makes you a light into the world and you are reversing the effects of Babel through your own very life. How powerful is that? Like what? And you begin to see how your family or how you operate is maybe different than how the rest of the world operates. And that maybe that there's something to protect. There's maybe that there's something of value there that, that has to be trained and encouraged and grown out from us into others and into other families, into other institutions, because Jesus is reclaiming the nations. And sometimes we kind of get lost in our own world because we think that this is just about us. But sometimes one of the greatest things that can happen to us as a follower of Jesus is we get our eyes off ourselves and on to the very people that God wants us to love with his kind of love. Amen? Amen. So we have been charged by Jesus himself to reclaim the nations, to do it his way, by loving and by serving. And we're going to see some amazing examples in this book about what his early church did to turn the Roman world upside down. And I think that the generation that we're in, I don't know, I think we find ourselves in a rather similar position. Culture that's increasingly not following God. And here his Jesus followers in the midst of it to say, man, I know that my people are going to turn that upside down because I'm empowering them. So it's just like, man, come on, game on. And this is a team sport. Amen? And that's why we need community. It's because you can't do this alone. I can't do this alone. We all need each other to reflect who Jesus is to a world that is in desperate need for who? him. For him. For the better story of the kingdom. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus. God, we just thank you for the power of what happened at Pentecost. Lord, not just with the Holy Spirit, but God, the fulfillment from Babel of your heart to bring rightness into this world and to be done your way with your authority. And so, Lord, we just, I just pray that we would capture that vision of that this week. God, that we would look and see what really happened at Acts 2 was... God, nothing short of earth-shaking, future-changing, covenant-making that you had with us. And so, Lord, we just ask that we would see that and, God, live fully in that. Lord, may we capture a vision of your kingdom that's beyond just our own drama, our own worry. God, that you would capture us to say, man, no matter what, I am giving my all for the King of Kings, the rightful ruler of this entire planet, of whom I'm his servant. But the great thing is that, God, you have given us your authority, your authority. And I pray that we would live in your authority with humility, with your love, and with your type of abundant, rocking, joyful life wherever we go. Lord, you are such a great king, and we're so privileged of being in your family. Lord, let us open our eyes this week to your family 
and your mission. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org. And we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.